This is Gareth Jones on Speed, episode 361. This edition is an enhanced podcast with images embedded in the timeline to illustrate what Gareth is talking about. There are a number of media players which should be able to make these images visible as you listen to the show, but we recommend VLC Player, which is available for Android, iPhone and PC or Mac. Hello there, I'm travelling on that most terrifying of vehicles, a fully autonomous vehicle, driverless. Not a car, but a train. I'm on the Docklands Light Railway, which of course has been fully autonomous for well over 30 years. A glimpse of the future, you might say, for road cars. But this episode of Gareth Jones on Speed is anything but a glimpse into the future. We're rooted deeply in the past because I'm on my way to XL, the exhibition centre, for the London Classic Car Show. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth and I'm in at the London Classic Car Show. Accreditation sorted. And there's quite a lot of noise, an awful lot of people here. It's a Sunday I'm here, and it's the last day of the show, and it's pretty intense, I have to say. There is a lot of jostling, but of course, XL is more than just one exhibition hall. There are a number of other events on here today some for youtubers there's a motorcycle show as well and oh i just spotted a lunch fulvia oh and a flamina that's a good start isn't it first cars i see actually that's not strictly true the very first cars i saw when i arrived there was a london taxi parked outside the entrance by the press accreditation stand which i think is incredibly appropriate if you think about it the london classic car show because of course the london taxi is itself a classic car now the advent of electric or well range extended taxis being the norm in london now then the classic fx4r i think it's called or i think it should be said the fx4r in it yeah yeah of course brexit's marvelous all that sorry must have stereotype cab drivers i have a couple of main two cab drivers and they're anything but brexit but yeah that's kind of nice suddenly saw the london taxi as a classic car mind you it is a design that's been around for how many years pretty much the 1950s old austin design isn't it so that's been a classic car for a long time but hey lancia what's this there is a peppermint green lancia i call this a barchetta you know an open top convertible pininfarina design a farina badge on the side trying to read the badge to find out what it is it doesn't tell me so i'm gonna have to go and read it i'm afraid what is it an Aurelia Spider, of course it is. Come on, Jones. Should have known better than that. From 1955, Aurelia Spider Series 4, B24, B24S. For those of you who need to know, in a delicious sort of spearmint peppermint green, parked next to a Lancia Delta Integrale. 
Mm, the 60 round, so not the Evolution Due, which would be my choice. This is the, Evol the 16, before they went to Evo 1, yeah. In white. Nice. You've got two completely contrasting launchers there. The lovely, rounded, organic, sensuous loveliness of the Aurelia next to the sheer straight edge beauty of the HF Delta Integrale with those magnificent wheels. Did I tell you I drove one? They say you should never meet your heroes. But I worked on a program a few years ago. Well, not so much a program, it's sort of a project for a school created this kind of adventure game for me where I was checked into a hotel given a mobile phone and sent a series of text messages and told to just follow the instructions and it took me on this sort of treasure hunt it was awful I have to say I hated every minute of it because I had no idea what was going on everyone around me seemed to know what was going on I was the last to know what was going on not a situation that would be very comfortable if you think about it but I survived the day but the finale was where I was sent to a car park and there was a Lancia Delta Integrale which I was allowed to drive I was very pleased to say however I was in town and I wasn't allowed to go more than 30 miles per hour and I was carrying two or three school children as well so it was a bit disappointing I didn't really get to let it go that's the only time I've got close to driving an Integrale and next to it is this uh, is it a Flamina Berlinetta is that what we call this one I'm going to have to read it I'm afraid it's a 2000 HF yes sorry I should know this I call myself Lanchisti but sometimes get it wrong another beautiful Pininfarina design and they are just come on Lancia oh and of course I forgot to mention the Fulvia I nearly persuaded my dad to buy a Fulvia when I was a young man, I was about 12 or 13, and we came down to a motor show, and I'd fallen in love with a Fulvia, and I nearly persuaded Dad to buy one. It would be completely useless for him, because he had a television business. He needed an estate car to carry big old cathode ray tube televisions in the boot. And he loved the car, didn't buy it, so I did direct him towards a Reliant Scimitar, which is somewhere, if you think about it, between a Fulvia and an estate car and I remember dad testing the electric windows he'd never encountered electric windows before this was in the 70s it would have been an SE5A if you know your light scimitars and dad said yeah, I'll close the window I'm just going to put my hand in the window see if it's got an automatic shut off it didn't <laughs> it trapped me dad's hand stop it he said stop it so I think that's probably why my dad didn't buy a Reliant scimitar how lovely. A nice introduction to the London Classic Car Show. Four magnificent lanchers. And it is pronounced Lancia. Don't let anyone tell you it's Lancia. I know that because Paolo Pininfarina himself said Lancia. You've heard it on this programme. I was just attempting to take a picture of that Lancia Aurelia and somebody got between me and the frame and just as I snapped and they went through frame a head turned around and said sorry about that which I thought was very decent 
I said, it's all right, Tiff. <laughs> Tiffany down. <laughs> and also on the Lancia stand, I had a word with the people there because they've got a register. It's a couple of years old. But a list of all the owners' cars in the Lancia Motor Club. And as you know, the reason I'm such Lanchisty is I owned an HP 2000 IE, you know, the sort of shooting brake based on the Beta Coupe, beautiful car. Went like a rocket. It had the greatest engine, the best gearbox, the loveliest, wildest suspension. It was such fun to drive that car. One or two heating and electrical problems, but, you know, Italian character. But I wanted to know if my car exists still and if it's a member of the Lancia Motor Club so I asked the people to show me the register and I looked through it and there were only a couple of HP 2000s left and mine wasn't one of them that doesn't mean that my car has ceased to exist just means it's not a member of the Lancia Motor Club at the moment so if you're ever driving around and you see a red Lancia HBE 2000 i.e. with the registration Mike Foxtrot Mike 331 Yankee MFM 331 Y flash your headlights pull over and say hello uh, who are you Gareth wanted to know that his car's still alive if well, yeah, the chances are very slim but I know you like cars and if you do ever see a red HP 2000 IE you will do that for me won't you? of course you will now a moment ago three very excitable young boys came running past and dad 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 look it's a LaFerrari and it isn't it's an Enzo actually which is a magnificent beast a Kent Ferrari club we're here with a display of a 348, a nice old, um, well, it's a mock-up actually of what looks like the Ferrari 310 F1 car, and I think a 308, and a very nice, what's this, 250 GT Lusso, of course. How lovely. Yes. Sorry, that's not a 308, that's a 288 GTO over there. I'm a bit rusty on this, so what's the time when I could identify Ferraris at a glance but I have to check these days must be getting senile the young man getting very excited at the Lancia stand there that's a lot of car isn't it the, the Enzo it's so very very dramatic I remember seeing one for the first time at Le Mans in the car park of the cars for the parade and genuinely been moved to tears when I saw it it made me emotional that's what you want isn't it if you're a car designer that's the reaction you want well done the Kent Ferrari owners club I was looking at the prices when I was collecting my pass of course I didn't have to pay for mine but the prices here uh, it's about 30 quid I think to visit 23 quid I think it said for a child I thought it was a little bit pricey but I've only been here 15 minutes and I haven't been able to move very far because everything you look at here is utterly fascinating and gorgeous it is a tremendous collection of things so far as far as I can tell 
and you know just inches away from the Ferraris and the Lanchers is the Aston Martin Owners Club and they've chosen to display three incredible examples of Aston Martin in conjunction with Zagato. Oh yeah, I heard it then. You all went, oh yes. Oh, hello. What's going on there? There's a live action theatre here where you can see cars go around. We'll, we'll get to that eventually. But there is a collection of just three Zagatos here. First is the DB4 GT Sanction 2, it says. Built in the 1980s, I think. Yeah built in the 80s and it's in that lovely sort of do we call it ivy green is that the name of that famous green and it is utterly sensuous again and parked next to it is one of the most 80s cars ever imagined um, the Vantage Zagato from 1986 to 88 and if you um, do a quick search, there was a Nissan Zagato, if I remember. Zagato did some work for Nissan and came up with a, quite a rare car. I forget exactly what it was called, but it shared many, many, many styling elements with the 86 Aston Martin Vantage Zagato. Extraordinary car, but of course the Aston carried it off better. But of all the cars on this stand here, I do rather like the 80s quality of that Vantage Zagato. It's the newest one here, which has got me salivating. No other way to describe it. It's the Vanquish Zagato shooting brake from last year, 2018, in dark metallic green i won't say british racing green because there are many british racing greens as you know yeah it's an aston it's a zagato it's a shooting brake that ticks three of the most important boxes in my universe can't tell you how much I adore that car, not just because it ticks those boxes, but the execution therein is rather good as well. I've got quite good relations with Aston Martin, as you know, since they've set up a factory in Wales. They seem very keen to have this podcaster involved, and I have had a car, which I utterly enjoyed. I think it's probably about time I asked them if I could borrow a Zagato shooting brake. I won't be able to give it them back that's it i'll just get in it and drive to wales and hide in snowdonia in it so there we go i think i've only been here about 20 minutes or something and i have already peaked there could be no more magnificent car for me than this i think i go home now actually i won't because there's loads of other stuff here <laughs> The London Classic Car Show this year has a number of themes. One of them is the Italian job, and another one is aero engines. Cars which have been fitted with more power than you might reasonably expect 
to have and for me the star of the exhibition here in the aero engine section is Babs yeah land speed record holder let's read what it says here Babs was built in 1923 by Count Zabrowski uh, was the fourth of his Chitty Bang Bang cars he called the Hyam Special after the Count's death in 25, she was bought by John Harry Thomas. Thomas was the most successful racing driver in Britain in the early 1920s. Thomas had failed an attempt at the land speed record in 1925, but broke the world land speed record in Babs in 1926 at 171 miles per hour, 171.09 miles per hour. Uh, he did that on Pendine Sands, I think. He then crashed at Pendine Sands in South Wales, attempting to re-break the record in 27. Thomas himself was killed, and the car was buried in the dunes of the beach. You'll know this story well. She was dug up after 42 years by Welsh car enthusiast Owen Wynne-Jones, who restored it back to running condition. And she's parked in front of me now, looking magnificent. The restoration work was carried out by Owen, Win Owen, estimated to have taken 2,750 hours. Technically, the chassis was built by Rubri Owens, the remains of a modifying 200 brake horsepower Blitzen Benz. Thomas had added a Leyland 8 front axle without the brakes, a Benz 4-speed chain drive gearbox, chain drive, don't you love the 20s? And the engine was a 1917 27-litre Liberty aero engine made by Packard that was modified to give 550 to 600 brake horsepower at 2,500 revs. That's a monster engine. How can you call such a monster car such a gentle name as Babs Barbara, clearly named after someone very important? But what a car! And was buried under the sand for many, many years. And I'm so pleased to see her here. Arguably a star of a show. Welsh car, of course. Welsh car. What have we got here? A GN Curtis. GN's first made in 1910 by young Ron Godfrey and Artie Fraser Nash. Oh, yes. Designed as a lightweight cycle car. Extremely popular with amateur racing drivers. So this had a V8 engine in it. Yeah, you can see separate V8 cylinders, not all in one block, but very distinct cylinders. Where did this engine come from? It was inspired by the pre-war special builders. Rather than fit a standard 90-degree V-twin engine, thought a 90-degree V8 would be more exciting after finding a 1916 Curtis aeroplane engine. Ah, we used to have a model of the Curtis, which we used to fly, a radio control one. 9.2 litres, 110 brake horsepower, top speed 120 miles per hour, does 0-60 in 6 seconds. Another chain drive, ash-framed aluminium body. What a car, what an engine! That's a quick car because it's little and light. The Curtis we had, I think, was a Curtis Jenny. There, look that up. I'm not very good with art. I'm better with engineering and science. 
and for me the nearest I get to art is music that's where I get my art from but the visual arts if there's one thing I am a sucker for it's a retro motorsport poster and the artwork of the 1930s the 1920s the 1950s and there's a stand here of a firm Zuccato Art Studios who have displays of enormous posters beautifully printed on very large six foot by three foot frames I'd say and they're magnificent there's a Gulf Porsche 917 which if Zog were here he would probably have to steal I'm guessing, or certainly by. And for me, there's a 1954 Le Mans 24-hour poster of a Ferrari coming under the Dunlop Bridge, very stylized, absolutely glorious. I'd also quite like an early Monaco poster in my hall. So if you're thinking of buying me a glorious present for my... 60th birthday which is only a couple of years away now there you go there's your inspiration <laughs> Yanis I've been told I should talk to you what's your full name? Yanis Ferrer and are you the artist who creates these posters or you compile I'm, them? I'm or? a bit of an artist but I don't create everything he creates a little bit more than I do that's Chris who's standing alongside yes, Chris, you yes Chris yes so why have I got to talk to you and not him? How does that work? The accent. Just the accent. Yeah, oh, really? Okay, well, we don't discriminate. We like all accents on Gareth Jones on speed. We might get a big audience with my accent. <laughs> Make it sound sexy. Well, motorsport should have a European accent, in yes, my opinion. Do you have a favourite period of the stuff that you guys make? What is it that moves you, Yanis? The one I really like is the 1930s period for Monaco. That's, for me, the ones I'm most sensitive. I just said exactly the same thing myself when I was recording there. I like the distortion that you get on the wheels. It turns them elliptical. Yes. That makes them look like they're leaping yes. forward. I think that puts dynamism into the image, doesn't it? Yes. And, no, but you can see so much life into it. And if you look into the modern art, it's not as expressive as the old art. It communicates more life into an older version. Have you sold lots of stuff here? Oh yes, yeah? loads, loads, loots. And people are really skin on this period, you know, the 30s. Is that what's period, selling yeah. the best, the 30s, would you say? It looks like it, yes. Really? Yeah, it That's seems like it, yeah, 30s, yeah. And obviously you've got another clientele which uh, are more concentrated on Le Mans, which is uh, more in the 70s. Yeah. But the 30s, we sell indeed a lot, yes. Yeah, yeah, the Le Mans stuff of the 70s looks great. But Le Mans looks great in any period. I mean, this 1954 from behind oh, you, I was just drooling over that. A moment yes. ago. It's just the, the colors are very vibrant as well, so yeah, it's yeah. very expressive from that particular time as well. Now, the, the frames are what, 95 pounds? The large ones are normally 150 pounds. We register them on the show for 95 pounds, and we have a special offer as well, which is if you buy the second one, you get the third one free on wow. any item so the large one is 95 the medium size is 65 and the small size is 50 pounds so any second items that you buy you get the third one free I'm tempted he looks like you are <laughs> you're already am. looking through it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be back Yanis lovely yes. to meet you thank you very much for talking to me it was a pleasure huh? merci take care merci <laughs> au revoir à bientôt à bientôt can you hear that snorting 
I'm some distance away from where it's coming from but I have a slight suspicion that might be one of the aero engine cars being started up oh no it just stopped was that perhaps heading back at a pace to try and see if they were just warming it up before they started and run it and drive it over because they have a sort of a rolling display here they have an arena where you can see the cars moving and hear them and as this is an audio podcast it would be glorious to have a bit of audio like that yeah there's a big crowd on the aero engine stand now if I can get past these people I might stand a chance of getting close no it wasn't Babs running there isn't a crowd around Babs but there is a crowd around one of the other cars glad I didn't miss Babs that would have been terrible oh here we go what's this to catch a glimpse I can't actually see because of the huge crowds let's hear it it's a great sound isn't it lovely moment to catch. Does that sound glorious? What is it? Let's try and find out. Okay, it's billed as the Craftsman, a tribute to all the great engineers from times gone by, hand-built in the spirit of indie race cars by Lamb Engineering of Salisbury. A yellow front-engined V8 with big old snorty trumpet exhausts the Lamb Harry Miller car it appears to be called and the chap who was sitting in the driving seat warming it up had an incredible helmet on that was like a sort of a speed superhero of the 1920s, I'll see if I can catch a picture of it to show you beautiful colour, sort of metallic mustard, 
Doesn't it sound nice? Let's see if I can read what it says. It says, this is complete build car loosely based on the design from a genius of old, Harry Miller. Harry left school age 15 with no qualifications, but went on to become one of the greatest American race car designers. His cars destroyed all that came before them in the 20s and 30s, with many indie races eventually having over 85% Miller cars. He had many design firsts from alloy carbs, four valve heads to double overhead cam, all alloy V6 engines, all designed by the amazing engineering team of Miller, Offenhauser and Gosen. One of his most famous cars, the Golden Submarine, which is the first car to use aerodynamics, really? Plus four valve heads, all in 1915. So this car, steel chassis, 108 inch wheelbase. The engine is a 1949 8EL Lincoln engine, 5.7 litres, 237 cubic inches. The rear axle is a Volvo and it sounded absolutely gorgeous we've put the car on display mainly to show the build before paint and plating the car will be finished around the end of 2017 it's finished now and row registered really we build another if anyone's interested in commission this would be a great car with a 4.2 litre jag engine which is very similar in design ethos to miller's way of thinking lamb engineering enough respect that's quite something You come to shows like the London Classic Car Show and you think you're really here to see the cars, which of course is true, but you always get distracted by the stuff around the edges. If you go around the edge of a hall, there's lots of stuff that isn't strictly cars, like furniture. There are people selling sort of wood furniture here, you know, garden furniture, but there's a range of furniture that's caught my eye, all made out of oil barrels. And painted up in golf colours, yes, I would like that. Martini colours, I admit, I'd quite like that. There's even a lotus coloured one here in lotuses, green and yellow. Nice, it's the sort of thing that you might see, I don't know, in your garage, in your den, if you're lucky enough to have one of those, in your playroom. The company is called Oil Drum Furniture dot info if you want to have a look 80 pound deposit with an order i don't know how much they actually are but i'm sure you'll find out if you go to oil drum furniture dot info i have to admit i would love i think the martini one actually more than the golf one golf one yeah that'd be zog all over oh <laughs> porsche some nice Porsche drums as well, they look neat. But actually, I might even just have a Ford one. You know, Ford Blue, Ford Badge. Lovely. I keep seeing E-Types here. One of the very first cars I saw here was an E-Type, and there's three on a stand there, and there's one on a stand here. Uh, Coys, who are valuers and auctioneers who are selling stuff. There is the tattiest looking E-Type. I have ever seen and you know what it's all the better for it it's beautiful more than a patina this is eaten by the dreaded oxidization worm all the way around the doors the sills the paint is slightly speckled and raised the headlamp covers are full of rust it looks absolutely amazing I guess this is what you call a barn find isn't it three cars here nice old Merc what is that 
don't even know what that is. Car from the 1930s, I'd say. 40s, possibly. I don't know what it is. Let's see if I can find out. Oh, it's an Amilcar Hotchkiss. 1939. The Amilcar Hotchkiss Compound. Estimates eight to ten thousand pounds. Tidy. I wonder how much that E-type is going for. If there's any information on it. Trouble is, you keep getting distracted. I just caught a glimpse of a Mark One Lotus Cortina there, so I'm going to have to come back to that in a moment. Oh, the E-type is sold. Curses. I was going to buy that. No, I wasn't. sort of Thunderbird 2 vehicle has just come by I don't know what it is underneath there but they've got this Grand Avenue Club uh, opportunity to see cars in motion and not just cars but some of the Thunderbird craft as well what on earth is this let's see if I can get a picture of it for you Brains was inspired by the early 90s Toyota Wow! I don't know what it is under there, but that was delicious. There are lots of children here, I'm very pleased about that. You know, they say that kids aren't interested in cars these days. It's not strictly true. There are lots of little guys here and little girls who are absolutely besotted by not just vehicles like Thunderbird 2, but some of the more prosaic stuff here. I saw a little boy looking at that Jaguar E-Type earlier on. That was delicious, just delicious. I've just walked past one of the other special displays here, and that is the Mark who is celebrating 100 years this year. Citroen, which I know will make Zog go to pieces. And I've just spoken to Zog, he's actually on his way here. So when Zog arrives, we'll go and have a look at Citroen and discuss their glorious 100 years. I've just seen a Fiat Dino. It's in red. It's funny, you know, you keep thinking that you've peaked, you know, that you've got absolute favourite classic cars, but the Fiat Dino is a car. I went to Le Moyne, my friend Rob Muller owns one, and we drove it together down to Le Moyne 10 or 12 years ago now. And I don't think I've ever been in a car where so many people have waved and pulled their windscreen down to say, that is one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen. It really is. It is just timeless classic understated elegant and you don't see many of them which begs the question what makes a classic because on one of the stands here there's a tesla model s a future classic or is it already a classic what makes a car a classic not something i can answer that question off the top of my head i'd have to discuss that with zog and find the very definition of what a classic is but there's no doubt in my mind that the fiat dino 
is a classic. God, I love that car. Staying with the Jerry Anderson theme. I've just spent some time, too much time, in fact, looking at the rmtoys.co.uk stand round the side, which is model cars, of course, and not just models with toys too. And I noticed arguably the least appropriately named vehicle ever. And that is the classic Spectrum Saloon car, is what it was called, from Captain Scarlet. Look at it. That is not a saloon car, is it? That is probably an estate, but most probably a shooting brake. Yeah, that's not a saloon car. I know it was called the saloon car compared to the MSV and the SPV, of course. It looked more like a saloon, but no. should have been called the Spectrum Shooting Brake, in my opinion. <laughs> there are lots of lovely cars here. Some bargains as well. Model cars, I mean. Probably the only classic car I'm going to walk away with from here today will be 143rd scale to add to my collection. Also, if you follow me on Twitter, if, if you don't follow me on Twitter... You should, if you like cars, because perhaps once a week I tweet with the hashtag the car on my desk today, which is a photograph of whichever car I've taken out of my collection of 143rd scale cars and plopped on my desk to enjoy for a week. And they're usually Le Mans winners or Formula One winners or cars driven by drivers in the car they were driving when I met that driver so it's quite a large collection I think I've probably got that 200 cars maybe now and it keeps growing I always buy two or three when I go to the mall every year I'm trying not to actually buy a car here today because as you know I've just got rid of my Sora which itself would have become a 25 year old car this year so I'm bereft of a vehicle and with the law changing in London, the bylaws allowing cars and well, you can drive anything if you want but it will cost you. But there are exemptions for classic cars they're exempt from this new ULEZ ultra low emission zone that the London government are introducing so maybe I should actually buy a classic car maybe I should buy a classic electric car I was reading about this the other day because I'm standing right now in front of the Swind E-Classic Mini. We will build you a classic Mini, a proper Mini, with electric drive, with a reasonable range. I think it's something like 120, 150 miles, something like that. Yeah, 125 miles it says here. 80 kilowatt motor top speed of 80 miles per hour and probably fantastic 0 to 60 acceleration time as you know lucky motors are great for that sort of thing let's see what does it say yeah charge time four hours 0 to 60 in 9.2 seconds so that's pretty reasonable pretty reasonable i think the only downside is they're a little bit pricey 64 grand but there is a burgeoning market for electric classic cars at the moment in fact i've been working with a production company developing a program which may or may not get made a television program which is about converting classic cars to electric power because there's a company in mid wales in powys who specialize in doing that but more on that at another time yeah 
lucky car but as you know living in London if you want to charge you need to be able to take your car off street to charge and I can't do that at my house so for the moment my dreams of an electric classic car remain just that a dream a fantasy Ignore the loud revving going on in the live car arena. I've come to a corner of XL where there is a special display celebrating the work of a man I think we can describe as a friend of Gareth Jones on speed. He's appeared on the programme twice, possibly even three times now. Talking about head of Jaguar design, Ian Callum. They're celebrating his entire history here. There are all sorts of cars, cars that he's not only had a complete hand in, but cars he had uh, an influence over as well. The Aston Martin DB9 from 2003, the Vanquish and Project Vantage from 98, 2001, the original Aston Martin DB7, of which he says the DB7 was his first major independent project for T. CWR design. His objective was to capture classic values of Aston within a modern shape. Definitely did that. I mean, that led the way for Aston Martin's reinvention. And of course, the RS200, the Ford RS200, which I say, of course, but I don't think a lot of people realise how much influence Ian Callum had over that car, even though it's sort of driven by function. It was styled by the wonderful man. His latest design, I don't know, the I-Pace is here. The F-Pace, of course, or CX-17, if you want to give it its code name. From 2015, how about that? The F-Pace is now four years old. The F-Type is here, CX-16. I'm leading to something here, bear with me. The Jaguar XJ, the eighth generation, which Zog and I have driven to Le Mans in twice a vastly underrated car in my opinion I love the XJ and if I was going to have a big executive saloon I think I might actually have an XJ over lots of Mercedes and lots of BMWs quite honestly I think it's a tremendous car when it first came out I was a bit doubtful of it I thought the rear was weird the front was great but now I love it that's a good design isn't it three other cars worth mentioning the XK of course which is another Ian Callum classic the first all new Jaguar for his new team Ian Callum says from 2006 showed the way to a sharper design form for the future generations of Jaguar he was very taut wasn't it and there's two cars above all here worth discussion the first is the CX-75 concept, the one which appeared in uh, the Bond film. Which one was it? I forget now. But what a remarkable car that was. And it evokes a car from Jaguar's history, the J220, which I think was quite clever. On this car, Callum says, we created the CX-75 based on the notion of perfect proportion. Mid-cabin flanked by exaggerated arches, giving emphasis to the stance. That's a race car philosophy, isn't it? It's practically an LMP 
this car. Cabin in the middle, big haunches, very feline, very Jaguar. A glorious car. Only two things disappoint me about the CX-75. One is that when they did build versions of it which ran, they didn't actually go for the gas turbine hybrid electric drive version with those four mini gas turbine engines, which I think would have been absolutely brilliant. That would have been great. They did put a nice Cosworth block in it. But the most interesting of all Ian Callum's cars here is the Jaguar RD6. What? Yeah, think about it. It's a concept from 2003. On this car, Ian says, I wanted to create something different that would shake up the notion of what a Jaguar could be. The RD6 was both practical and exotic. Yes! definitely practical definitely exotic definitely of its age if you look at it you can see slight hints of even the ford car and the puma cars which ian callum had an influence over i love this car in some ways it reminds me of a lincoln from that period as well ford had a lincoln was it called the sentinel something like that which was very very stylish and in some ways it had a slight 1930s quality to it and i love the way that the rd6 evokes the 1930s i love the fact that it's a hatch like the e-type but not copying the e-type it's a very different rear end but gorgeous i would love one of these i can't remember what platform it was built on huge wheels glorious interior possibly one of my favorite cars here i'm always a sucker for a car that borders on the estate as you know but i think this is more of a hatch could be a shooting brake it's almost a shooting brake it's got five doors so i think it's more of a hatch than a shooting brake but what a fantastic car the jaguar rd6 concept of 2003 well done mr callum lovely to see your cars celebrated at the london classic car show our coverage of the 2019 london classic car show continues in episode 362 the next edition of gareth jones on speed available seven days after this one to send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Wizban.